When in Spain, listeners, it's Paul Birch here. It's a new year, a new decade, and even better, a new season of the When in Spain podcast with lots of exciting things coming up for you in the next few months and uh, right through 2020, all being well. More travels around Spain, more special guests on the show, which I'm in the process of lining up, uh, more of my insights, advice, and little slices of life from right here in Spain, directly into your ears, wherever you're listening from around the world. And uh, so really, uh, a very, very happy new year to you guys, the listeners. And uh, if you're a long-time listener, thank you for tuning in again to the When in Spain podcast. And if you're new around here, thank you for joining me. I'm Paul, a Brit living and working in Madrid. And while you've just stumbled across a little corner of the internet where I aim to transport you to Spain. And as I said, share through the podcast some snapshots on the country, the culture and the people, which I hope are at least useful and somewhat entertaining, especially if you're planning to make a move to Spain or you're planning on visiting the country or you're just curious about what life is like here. And if you are dreaming of making the move to Spain, which I know many of you guys, the listeners are, if you are planning to make the move to Spain in 2020, I really, really hope that this is your year to make it a reality. So yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, I've been on a little bit of a digital detox over Christmas and New Year. I think the last episode was back at the beginning of December. That already feels like eons ago. Um, It's been quite a hectic month or so uh, around Christmas. The holidays in Spain just seem to go on and on and on forever and ever. It's just a cycle of eating, drinking, seeing friends, seeing family, eating, drinking, seeing friends, seeing family, shopping, eating and drinking. Well, now we are comfortably into January, into the new year. Um, We've just had uh, Los Reyes Magos a few days ago, which is a big Christmas tradition here in Spain when everyone uh, exchanges his presence. So I can sort of sense the return to normality and uh, a return to some kind of routine at last, which I have to admit I'm ready for now after quite a long break over Christmas and New Year. Myself and Karina have just got back from the Canary Islands, in fact, uh, from Gran Canaria. It's uh, part of Spain that we've always wanted to visit. Uh, We managed to pick up some cheap flights for the new year. So we spent New Year's Eve and Karina's birthday and a few extra days uh, on the island of Gran Canaria, somewhere we'd always wanted to go to. Always tends to be quite expensive to fly there over New Year's, I guess for obvious reasons, uh, because of its geographical location, subtropical climate. The high season is usually in the winter, so flights tend to be quite expensive. But we were lucky enough by chance to stumble across a special deal and uh, we picked up some flights to Gran Canaria. So that was our opportunity and I can highly recommend it. So that's what this episode is going to be all about. I'm going to be talking about the Canary Islands, I'm going to be talking about Gran Canaria and I was lucky enough to meet up with Alex Bramwell who is a photographer and was actually born in Gran Canaria and he runs his own website about all things Canary Island with a specific focus on Gran Canaria. 1478 the Spanish first rocked up and defeated an army of angry aboriginals 
with the cavalry charge, the first cavalry charge the Spanish ever did against sort of practiced here what they then went on to do in South America. Where they invented the idea that enough steel and horses could defeat anyone. So I'll be chatting to Alex all about the Canary Islands. We're going to be looking at must-see sites if it's your first time to Gran Canaria or indeed to any of the other Canary Islands. We're looking at a few of the differences between the islands and the mainland peninsula of Spain, the wildlife, the nature, the beaches. Uh, We touch a little bit on food, on the local economy, things like that. So if you are suffering from the winter blues, which I most certainly am now having come back to a very chilly Madrid and you'd like to be whisked away to a subtropical climate. Stay tuned, that's all coming up a little bit later in this episode. Before we get into the interview, I just want to give a special mention, as I usually do, uh, to new When in Spain patrons. Uh, So in no particular order, a big gracias to Tula Bradshaw, uh, Chris Kendall Muniz, to Cara Di Domizio, and to Olwyn Jones. A big, big thank you to you guys for signing up to support me and, of course, the podcast via the crowdfunding page, patreon.com. If anyone else enjoys this podcast, if anyone would like to support me by making uh, small monthly pledges, you can do so via the Patreon website. As I said, it's patreon.com, and then you just need to add in a little forward slash when in Spain, patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. Spain. And for becoming a patron, this year I'll be bringing lots of added bonuses to Patreon supporters. So I'm going to be producing bonus podcast episodes. Uh, I'm going to be doing live videos. I'm going to be producing a lot of video content from around Spain and right here in Madrid also. And I'm also going to be putting together some useful resources about Spain as well, which will be available to patron supporters. And in fact, while I'm just on the subject of patrons and patron supporters, I must just give a special mention to Tula Bradshaw, who is a relatively new patron and a new listener to the When in Spain podcast, all the way from down under in Australia, I believe. Um, And she wrote to me in the When in Spain Facebook group and she said, "Okay." So I need to ask, is it normal to be having, when in Spain, withdrawal symptoms and checking at least three times a day to see if a new podcast has been released? Well, um, it's true. Uh, There has been a bit of a break in the podcasts for, what, um, about a month or so. And Tula, it's fantastic to know that you're a big fan and it's really heartwarming and motivating, frankly, to know that you really enjoy the podcast and uh, that you've been keeping an eye out for new episodes. Now, When in Spain is usually a weekly podcast, and I will be getting back into that um, swing of things again now we're in the new year. Yeah, there have been a few blips and gaps uh, at the end of last year. We've had a long break over Christmas. That's just because of the Christmas holidays and because of my job and lots of other things. But I promise uh, now that we're into the new year and back into a usual routine, I will be bringing you guys, the listeners, a regular When in Spain podcast every week. And as I said, I've got plenty of guests lined up. I've just been talking with some guests who I'll be recording new episodes with uh, next week and the week after that and the week after that. And I've got tons of episode ideas in development so don't worry Tula plenty of when in Spain uh, coming up for you and also for being a patron you will have access to even more when in Spain good stuff as well 
so let's talk about the Canary Islands. Canary Islands are made up of eight main islands. I'm sure you've all heard about them. Tenerife, Fuerteventura, Gran Canaria, which is where we went, Lanzarote, La Palma, La Gomera, La Gomera, and El Hierro, and the, and the smallest of the eight islands, La Graciosa. So these islands are found, well, I talk about it in the interview, but they are cast off the peninsula of Spain around 900 uh, miles south of the Spanish peninsula and just about 90 or 100 miles off the west coast of Africa, uh, right next to the uh, Sahara Desert, almost in a straight line going across from the southern part of Morocco. Flying time from Madrid, about two and a half hours. And yeah, really does feel like a different world. It's really surprising when you go there at this time of year and it's in the low 20s Celsius, warm, sunny, balmy climate compared to the chilly uh, temperatures that we've got at the moment in central Spain. You have all of the familiar sights that you would see on the peninsula of Spain, whether it's brands, shops, supermarkets, of course, the language. Everything does feel familiar if you're used to Spain, but there's no mistaking the kind of volcanic nature of the islands, the geography, uh, the flora and fauna is very, very different to what uh, certainly I'm used to in central Spain. Canary Islands have a population of around 2.1 million inhabitants and they are quite a major tourist destination with over 12 million visitors per year. Uh, The main tourist islands being Tenerife, Gran Canaria, Fuerteventura and Lanzarote. People go there, well, for the same reason that we did because uh, especially at this time of year uh, in the winter, Uh, It's a great place to go and get winter warmth, winter sun and escape the winter blues. So high season, usually uh, in the winter months where the temperatures hover around 20 to 25 degrees Celsius, does get hotter uh, across the islands, uh, obviously in the summer months. And they are still popular summer destinations as well because of beaches. Uh, The name Islas Canarias, Islas Canarias, the Canary Islands, is apparently derived from the Latin name Canariae Insulae, meaning the island of the dogs. And that was the name originally only applied to Gran Canaria because it was said to have contained vast multitudes of wild and very large dogs. So the Can Canaria, Canariae, comes from the Latin for dog, nothing to do uh, with birds. The the canary bird came later, so the bird was named after the islands, not the other way around. And uh, there are some hypotheses that say the Canary Islands uh, dog worship and the ancient Egyptian cult of the dog-headed god Anubis are closely connected. The islands were also a stop-off for Mr. Columbus. Christopher Columbus uh, made a few stops in the Canary Islands uh, before heading off across the Atlantic uh, to Central and South America. 
I talk a bit about that in the interview with Alex. So there's a little bit of uh, insight into the Canary Islands. Let's get into the interview with Alex Bramwell. As I said, he's uh, been in, uh, he's been on the Canary Islands for decades. He was born there, and he's a photographer. And he spent uh, a huge amount of time uh, traveling around all of the islands in the Canaries and photographing them uh, in a professional capacity. And he's also set up. Uh, uh, the most popular, I think, most visited online resource for people wanting to know about Gran Canaria called Gran Canaria Info, which was started with his friend and business partner back in 1998. An absolute wealth of information. I'll mention it. We talk about it in the interview. I'll mention it again at the end and I'll put a link to the website and to uh, Alex's social media in the show notes for this. So sit back and relax while I whisk you away to subtropical climes and uh, join me and Alex on a bustling terraza with views of the sea as we sit alongside Las Canteras Beach, a very long city beach right in the heart of Las Palmas. Vamos! Alex, thanks so much for joining When in Spain podcast. That's all right. It's a pleasure to be here. Just to set the scene, we're sat uh, on a Sunday morning. It's about, what, 20 degrees, I guess? A bit more, maybe? A bit more today. Whereabouts are we? Well, we're at the, the north tip of Las Canteras Beach, which is the, the big beach in the middle of Gran Canaria's capital city. It's, what, about three kilometres long? Yeah. Sandy and sheltered at this end with the palm trees, and then at the other end, it's um, the reef. There's a rock reef that drops deep, and then that's the surfy end. So all the surfers are in the water at that end and all the, all the tourists and the sunbathers come down to the north tip. Yeah, exactly. Just looking out across the beach now, you've got, oh, there's a fair few people already set up camp, sunbathing. You know, for me, coming down from Madrid, sadly I've got to fly back to Madrid today. Back in Madrid it's about 6 degrees, here it's about 20-something. It's a different world. I just wait for that helicopter. That's the news flying over to put on the news to show everyone back in the rest of Spain what it's like. How good it is here. <laughs> Tell me how you come to live here. What's your relationship with Gran Canaria? My dad was a botanist back in Britain and came here several times, studied in the University of Seville, and then in 1974, he became the director of the botanical garden here. The Canary Islands are botanically like the Galapagos Islands. There's 600-odd plants that only exist in the Canary Islands. Sort of stuff that used to grow in the Mediterranean before the Ice Ages killed it off, and it only exists here. So he came in the 70s. I was born here. Uh, I spent a few years back in Britain and then I think 22 I was it was February it was drizzling <laughs> I was working night shift and I, I just gave up and came back and I've been here ever since I think the weather is quite often a motivation isn't it to, to, to move to Spain to move well to Spain in general or even further south down to the to the Canary Islands where we are it's hard to go back to not having just pleasant weather <laughs> you know England's beautiful we were there in the summer was it last summer the summer before and it was sunny every day for five weeks and it was idyllic we were on the beaches in Wales and just loved it and then we went back at Christmas and it just rained for a week and you just think aha that's why <laughs> that's why you're here that's why you're here yeah Alex you run a, a website with a friend or colleague of yours I believe yeah business partner uh, Lex Thunen who started the website GranCanaryInfo.com in 1998 had no pictures 
and the, the URL's got hyphens because that's what was fashionable back then, you know. Old school, 1998, almost yeah. at the beginning of the internet. It was. It's probably the oldest site about the Canary Islands up there. And we, yeah, we, it's, it's in English and we just publish lots of articles. We're both photographers. So it's just a resource, mainly for tourists, about Grand Canaria, you know, what to come and see. It's got, we've got every beach on there and lots of excursions and road trips. Everything you need to know about the island is on that website. So anyone thinking of coming to Gran Canaria, check it out. What's the website? Gran Canaria Info with hyphens.com. I've had a, a good look through it. It's been quite a useful for a resource for my first ever trip here. Obviously, there's the website that you've created. But from your personal point of view, you've been living here many, many years. For a first-time visitor to Gran Canaria... And we'll talk a little bit later in the podcast about the other islands in the Canaries as well. But for a first-time visitor to Gran Canaria, what would you say are the key highlights that are really worth seeing, but not the kind of typical overly touristy places? Where, where would you suggest? Get out away from the coast up into the mountains, because there's a lot up there. It's not that big an island, but it's high and the valleys are deep. So if you're staying in the south, which most people do, uh, go up one of the three big deep valleys in the south up to the central highlands it's just been declared a world cultural world heritage site yeah. because of its links with the aboriginal people who used to live here and the landscape was sacred to them they didn't just live in it they sort of felt they were part of it yeah. come up to the north visit las palmas because it's kind of a fun sort of spanish city with enough tourists to, to give it that and it's also got a lot of people from all over the world it's a nice it's got a lovely feel to it good place to come and Relax if you want the beach, you've got the big city vibe as well. Do you know what the population is? It feels quite like quite a big city, Las Palmas. Depending where you draw the line around it, there's about 400 and something thousand people. So yeah. it's one of Spain's top 10, I or was. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. One of the top 10 uh, largest cities in Spain. So you've got the beach. And um, one thing that surprised me is that in this part of the city where we are now, there isn't really what you'd call a kind of historic centre. The historic centre, like the old part of Las Palmas, is actually a different town effectively, right? Until the 50s, the bit of beach we're looking at was sand dunes with the sea going over it at high tide. Wow. This didn't exist. There was a small fishing, fishing village here, uh-huh. but this the north tip, which has just been swallowed up now. The original old town that Columbus stayed at, or may have stayed at, uh, <laughs> is Vegeta. And that was a river bank, that was sort of a river mouth at the time, a water flowing, and that's where the galleys, and then as they built the port, the sort of centre of importance of the city moved away from the old bit to where we are now, down into this part. So the old town, yeah, it's kind of separate. 1478, the Spanish first rocked up and defeated an army of angry Aboriginals with a cavalry charge, the first cavalry charge the Spanish ever did against, sort of practised here what they then went on to do in South America. Ah, is that That's right? That's where they invented the idea that enough steel and horses could defeat anyone. And they went from here to there with that knowledge. Because I paid a visit a couple of days ago. There's a museum, a Columbus museum, right there in the town. These islands and, and Gran Canaria itself became a kind of regular stopping off point on his various expeditions across the Atlantic to Central and South America. Yeah, he, he stopped in Gran Canaria twice or three times. And he also stopped in Gomera. Never stopped in Tenerife because 1492 it was still holding out. It wasn't Spanish yet. It was still Aboriginal. They hadn't conquered it yet, so he went past that. We all stopped in La Gomera, where they say he had a girlfriend. A vicious, <laughs> vicious Spanish aristocratic woman who 
lived in the fortress and subjugated the island and massacred the locals and he would stop and stay with her. <laughs> Different times, you know. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, he stopped here at least yeah. once in Las Palmas, once down in the south as well. He stopped here first because they, no one believed him. So this, the story is that they, one of the owners of the three ships that sort of been commandeered by the, the Spanish kings literally sabotaged the rudder of his own ship to stop <laughs> this stop idiot it. taking him across the, is that right? the sink. Wow. So he had to stop here for a few weeks while the new one came down. And that's why he spent some time here on his first one. This sort of more modern part of Las Palmas has sprawled up the coast along the beach. But the old part of is Las Palmas, but it's called, called Begeta and Triana. Is where you're going to find the old colonial architecture, the beautiful low-rise, whitewashed facades and coloured buildings, cobbled streets and beautiful squares and fountains and that kind of thing. If we're talking about beaches, where would you recommend? What are the most beautiful beaches, in your opinion, on the island? Uh, uh, personally, I think Las Canteras on a sunny day. Because it's so big and it has everything from incredible snorkelling, the reef, the surfing at one end, the sunbathing at the other, is probably the standout beach. The touristy ones, depending on what you like, you know. If you like to sit on a sun lounger within easy walking range of beer, there's loads of them. But along that south coast, there are lots of other little beaches. Playa Las Mujeres, Montaña de Arena, which is nudist. There's little tiny ones along there. Tiritania, you have to walk down to yeah. from the road. They're all there. You know, if, you, if you like busy beaches, which a lot of people do, they like to yeah. be on a beach with loads of people around. You've got them, but there's always an alternative. Along the north coast, lovely beach at Sardina, lots of natural pools. They're just cement wall and the water's built up and they're beautiful. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen photographs of that. Unfortunately, we didn't have uh, time to, to make it there. Yeah, so they're like enclosed sort of natural swimming pools built on the coast with the seawater. Yesterday, we went to Mas Palomas, which kind of blew me away. Sand dunes, pardon the pun, blew me away. It was pretty windy down there. But it was um, spectacular. I'd, I, I'd never heard of it before. And it's this huge expanse of sand dunes. Probably the, the biggest sand dunes I've ever seen in my life, actually. I haven't seen any other dunes similar in Europe, let's say. I'm sure there are in other parts of the world. But it's kind of tucked away because you, you drive down there and there's a big sort of hotel complex there's a big posh Rio hotel which you kind of have to walk through it's like they've oh, kind of like went, they've kind of yeah they've kind of like commandeered it but it is you know it's public yeah you know it doesn't belong to the hotel and you walk through the hotel complex and suddenly you come out and you've got the sea the horizon the sea in the distance and then before it all of these beautiful um, sand dunes and palm trees um, I, I thought it was absolutely spectacular it was quite busy there were a lot of people there but um, winter's high season, so right now is the busiest time of year in the Canaries. So yeah, there'll, there'll be there's people on the dunes. You have to wait till. As a photographer, you're always checking the, the forecast, and as soon as it's been windy for three days, you have to run down to get the perfect <laughs> photo because otherwise it's all footprints. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need that that virgin sand yeah. that hasn't been trampled. I think on your blog you said there's something like 80, 80 beaches and counting around the island. Yeah, tourist board says eighty, but of those. Yeah, 20, 25, you, you probably wouldn't ever want to spend a day on it. There is some sand. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got about 50 now on the website, and I think we've covered all the ones that you, you'd want to know about. Well, worth you know? Yeah. 
That's not bad for not bad for a little island, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Because Gran Canaria. I don't know. I can't think. I read it's something like six hundred square miles. It's sixty kilometres in any direction because it's basically round. So it's sixty kilometres across north to south and sixty kilometres yeah. going to west to east. Or, yeah, I'd be amazed if no one's heard of the Gran Canaria or the Canary Islands. But just to kind of put it on the map, we're about nine hundred miles south of the European kind of continent, well, the kind of peninsula of Spain. And we're about 98 miles off the west coast of North Africa. What about towns and villages? Anywhere for you that really stands out, where it's nice to go and spend a relaxing day, wandering around, somewhere that is maybe a bit more local, less touristy? Any town that's more than two minutes away from the resorts just reverts to being almost completely local. Yeah. Uh, there's San Bartolome de Tirajana, uh-huh. which is up in the highlands behind the main resorts, which everyone here calls Tunte, because it's far too long. That's just the sort of capital of the tourist zone where Maspalomas is, right up in the hills. Uh-huh. And it's beautiful. Church in the centre, a few restaurants, palm trees everywhere, surrounded by olives and grapevines. And the drive up is beautiful. Once you get up into the centre, there's, there's half a dozen. Terror is the one where the island's patron saint is. Ah, Big church. Yeah. You know, Jeweled virgin in, inside. And that has a market on Sundays. And again, just everything, cobbled streets and balconies everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, almost all of them. Have, if you're going past, just stop at anyone you go past and have, have a walk around. They're all worth it. I, I was particularly impressed. Uh, yesterday we drove uh, from uh, Mas Palomas, which is down on the south coast, all the way up to, to Las Palmas, but avoiding the, the kind of motorway that goes around the outside of the island. We crossed right across the centre okay, of the yeah. island, and we saw a very famous uh, rock, which is called... That's Roque Nublo. Roque Nublo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's sort of the centre of the island in, in every way. You know, it's, it's literally in the physical centre not the high point no but it's cool because you can just walk up to it it stands like a big monolith um, and it, the scenery is really impressive i think that's one thing that has impressed me about the island is that you've got you know beaches palms on the coast half an hour inland the landscape's so different you can tell you got you can you certainly get give you gives you the impression that it was a volcanic or is a volcanic island you've got pine trees uh, you've got quite barren parts of the landscape incredibly mountainous very rugged and uh, Rocky, the, the route we took yesterday, uh, we went up to no Morgan, in, okay. and Ma- Morgan Pueblo, and then up through Morgan that way. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 one of the three. That's a nice road, isn't it? Crazy winding, big rocks and pine trees, and yeah, crazy driving, advanced driving level. I mean, really tight, yeah. really tight hairpin bends, very steep. And uh, watch out for the cyclists. <laughs> Did you loads of cyclists, loads of cyclists. Yeah, it's become the big European winter training centre for cycling. South Grand Canaria, those three roads just winding up. I think I read. I don't know what the altitude of the Roque Nublo is but i think the highest point of the island is something like six thousand feet above sea level just under i know it's just under two thousand meters it's one thousand four hundred no one thousand nine hundred and fifty something now it grew by a few meters a couple of years ago they <laughs> measured it again and my advice would be don't just don't get carried away with the beaches do get inland do get out into the mountains some spectacular scenery to be to be to be seen there really is really really beautiful we're still we've been Lex has been here for nearly 20 years. I've lived here, and we still find new places. 
new where does that road go and off you go and you find a new little bit there's always stuff it's just so much of the island that it's definitely worth just heading out almost blind and yeah and get lost yeah go get lost go and, and get then lost. if you get really lost ask Google to get you back to the pub, <laughs> yeah. to the pub. Yeah. absolutely comparing Gran Canaria to the other Canary Islands I mean how do they compare to be perfectly honest with you we came to Gran Canaria because it was the cheapest flight out of all of the destinations from Madrid the flights with I with Iberia to Gran Canaria were the, were the cheapest for these dates by a margin by by 200 euros I don't know why that was our, our reason we wanted some winter warmth we knew we wanted to come to the Canaries for New Year um, so that was how we ended up in, in Gran Canaria for someone who's going about it in a bit more, in more of a kind of considered way and they're trying to decide which of the islands to visit how do they compare what are the differences Lanzarote is quite low very volcanic very recent volcanic you know some of it yeah. some of it's still hot to the touch they're still cooking over holes wow has superb beaches white sand beaches uh, and it's got a lovely design feel to it because of Cesar Manrique the artist sort of grabbed it by the scruff of the neck in the 80s and said no high rise building no cement everyone's painting their houses white we're keeping this because that's the future of the island and he was right yeah so it is barren and beautiful and just has a real feel to it uh, Fuerteventura is just the beaches are miles long they're so big you can't fill them the centre is arid and dry and has windmills and palm trees and I find the centre of Fuerteventura quite depressing you sort of drive through <laughs> it and it's just nothing barren landscape it is a bit like Castilla-La Mancha <laughs> it's like, it must be like driving through North Africa yeah you know it's just, there's nothing there a lot of people my Lex loves it I, but the beaches in Fuerteventura are just incredible they just you, you go you get there and you just think wow Gran Canaria I think is the island that's got the most variety yeah. you've got the beaches the dunes you've got the big city yeah. you've got the highlands Tenerife is everyone will go mad it's quite similar to Gran Canaria um, the, the capital city is smaller that has a real nice feel because it's got a traditional university there so La Laguna has lots of students what's the name of the capital city in Tenerife? Santa Cruz de Tenerife oh, yeah. the Tenerife it has beaches in the south. Everyone in Gran Canaria is always laughing, oh, they don't have any beaches. They do. It has that volcano in the centre, which is just flat out unbelievable. You get up to this plateau and then there's just this huge, monstrous volcano. So you still got, you can still see the cone. You can actually sort of, it looks literally like a volcano. Yeah, I mean, there is an idea that at one point Tenerife was the highest mountain on earth. When you sort of track up the original shape of the island, yeah. And then you suddenly there's a flat bit where it just blew out. Yeah. And tell you, there's the sort of stumpy little volcano that's grown up since it blew out and will keep growing. So Tenerife has, yeah, forests and stuff. The sort of the far west of Tenerife is really old and really pretty as well. It's a really pretty island. La Palma's knife edge, 2,500 metres high, uh-huh. with this crater in the middle. Huge forests. Really, the north, I think, of La Palma for scenery you're driving through these big thick pine forests just looking vertically down to the sea is incredible you need a car you can't really do anything in La Palma because there's no coast roads you're always going up you go along a bit and you have to go down to the next bit La Gomera is just this vast ancient old forest with little coastal towns dotted around it and it's really pretty and it's just improved a lot La Gomera used to be very quiet and now it's got a few nice restaurants. The capital is sort of lively now in the evenings. Valle Gran Rey has all the palm trees and beaches. 
could stay in the capital or in Valle Gran Rey and just again car and explore. And El Hierro is small, volcanic, quiet. If you love hiking and jumping off rocks into deep sea water and stuff like that, then it's a fun, great place to go with a six and an eight year old boy. Because <laughs> yeah. there's always something to jump off and, and, and explore. Uh -huh. But it is very quiet, there's only a few thousand people. Wow. Don't go there if you expect nightlife. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that actually because I was going to ask you. Uh, I have friends who are into hiking and I was going to ask you any sort of recommendations in terms of islands uh, or specific places for hiking in the Canaries. Grand Canary is a good choice because there's plenty of paths and it's quite varied. Tenerife, similar. La Palma is the, the, the hike from the centre of La Palma to the southern tip over the spine of the island. It's probably one of the great walks anywhere. Uh, El Hierro. But just don't don't expect to stop and see anyone else because it's a really quiet place. You'll see more you'll see more sort of cows than you will people at the top of El Yeah, uh, sounds amazing. Uh, Lanzarote and yeah, you can hike, but they're quite flat, so you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there specifically for hiking. Yeah, that makes sense. We've got some uh, fireworks going off in the background. Just just changing the subject briefly. Today there's the big parade, I believe which is the parade of the three kings because tomorrow is Los Reyes yeah. and someone told me oh if you're looking to get out to the airport today be careful because it might be a bit chaotic in uh, Las Palmas in the city centre after about three or four o'clock because they start closing off the streets ready for the parade the three kings come through chucking sweets yes. out on, on big floats chucking sweets out to the children to sort of announce their arrival tomorrow they'll be delivering the presents uh, to the children. So, sorry, I'm going off topic a bit there, but I just think maybe those fireworks are connected with that. I don't know. Yeah, it will be. There was a good thing because two years ago they filmed you know, some Marvel film in the south of Fuerteventura, ah, okay. and they needed. Oh no, it wasn't. It was um, it wasn't a very good film. It was the story of Moses. One of these Hollywood films filmed in the south of Fuerteventura, and they needed a load of camels. So every camel on the islands was taken to Fuerteventura. And when it came to the Three Kings, there were no camels here, and all the kids were upset because the Three Kings weren't on camels. Either. It's rubbish. <laughs> so the horseback or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any curious traditions we should know about in the island, and, and included in that food? I know that the patatas arrugadas are quite well known as being a kind of local delicacy, if you like, from the islands, uh, yeah. which I've tried a few times. And it's true, I've never seen them on the peninsula. They're quite nice. I wouldn't say they're like mind-blowingly amazing but with the with the salsa the uh, the uh, what's it called the mojón mojo, mojo picón or mojo rojo yeah they're nice I, I only eat them when I'm showing people around you have to that's the Canarian thing uh, they do a good salad here but they don't mix it up here you always get a, a salada mixta they yes. call it uh -huh. but it's not it's just every ingredient and you pick your own bit oh. and different places have like in Agaete you always get a slice of pineapple or, 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 or pawpaw traditionally yeah, those are always a good thing to get. Uh, up in the mountains, quite a lot of rabbit, a lot of goaty, goat stews and things like that. Yeah. On the coast, um, there's infinite number of different things to do with squid. You know, deep fried baby ones or grill the whole ones. It's just so every restaurant has about six different squid dishes yeah, that, on the menu. That makes sense. Other than that, the cuisine's fairly simple and straightforward and I guess also um, well known for the production of its own uh, bananas I know people go crazy for on the on the peninsula people go crazy for Canarian bananas and they're quite expensive uh, back on the peninsula um, yeah. but bananas are, are cultivated right here among with I imagine other kind of subtropical tropical fruits as well yeah bananas pineapples pawpaws a lot of mangoes in the south 
Yeah, the bananas are nice. The tip, tip I can give you, yeah. don't buy them in the supermarket because they'll have been refrigerated. Go to the little estanco shops that you see, little fruterias, because they're delivered straight from the warehouse or the farms and they're never, and as soon as you put a banana in a fridge, it loses some of its. Yeah, definitely. So you've got to have them fresh. Like yeah. All fruit and veg here. Buy the stuff in the little shops. Any other curious traditions that happen on the island? I know carnival is uh, a big deal here, right? Can you just tell us a bit about the carnival? Carnival goes from the beginning of February till the end of April. Somewhere on the island there's carnival. The Las Palmas one is huge. has the really famous drag show. But actually it lasts three weeks and there's something on almost every night. Yeah. Santa Catalina has all the little stands. And there's, there's a, a big parade, a little parade. There's a traditional parade where everyone dresses in white to remember when the, the first Canarian emigrants to Venezuela came back rich looking for brides in their white <laughs> linen suits and stuff. Wow. And then Carnival goes all the way around. There's one in Maspalomas, there's one in Morgan. There's, every town has Carnival. Yeah. And then during the summer months, every village has a big fiesta, a, what they call here a romeria rather than a fiesta. Okay. In Lomo Magullo, they throw water at each other. In La Talaya, they have a mud wrestling communal mud wrestle in Laldea they all run into this lagoon and try and catch fish and whoever catches the most fish is king or queen for the day yeah. uh, god this yeah every yeah. town does something odd so yeah. if you see them they're often <laughs> worth going to yeah that gives you a really little kind of snapshot into deep Spain doesn't it deep the, yes. the, the local culture but I was reading about the carnival I think it's one of the biggest in the world or the biggest in the world in terms of numbers of people who attend bigger than Rio I, I don't know I, I read something along those lines maybe it, it's probably disputable but it's certainly one of the biggest carnivals in the world yeah Rio is like Tenerife is a bit more like Rio the, the, the street possession is, is high quality dancing you know they really practice and it looks incredible but everyone's sort of behind barriers and it's quite organised. Yeah. Here, the, the main parade days of Carnival are just bedlam. Yeah. There's hundreds of thousands of people following these floats, all playing the same song, to be honest, whatever popular dance song is on, and there's kids raving behind them. It's yeah. a huge street party. Amazing. So it is an enormous night. Yeah. And then just after the last float, there's this huge clean-up crew that blitz through behind it. <laughs> By the time it's finished, they're just catching up, and the next morning it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, it's, it's really good happened. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've driven past the port quite a few times uh, since we've been here for the last few days and I noticed some huge big uh, boats moored up with what appear to be like uh, metal kind of, they look like sort of mining towers built onto the boat, all lit up at night, like hundreds of lights and there are, I don't know, how many, like eight or ten of them moored up in the harbour more or less, quite, or quite a few. And I was curious as to what they were and I looked, did a little quick Google search and I found out that they're... Um, exploratory ships to go out for petroleum or something like that what you said earlier was quite interesting about the location why they're located here yeah this was um if you turn the, the sort of globe and you put the canary islands at the top and then you measure the distances we're sort of midway between the north we're right in the center of the north sea the brazilian salt oil fields and the west african oil fields so this is the logical place for everyone to bring their rigs to be maintained previously everyone had to go all the way up to norway and it took an extra couple of weeks to drag them up there. Of course, yeah. So now they maintain those rigs here, which brings a lot of money in. So everyone thinks, oh, the Canarians are only tourism and bananas, and tourism is huge. Bananas are sort of picturesque, but they're not economically anymore. They're not, not really, that no. big thing. The oil rigs bring a lot of money, and the port, the container port, is a huge part of the island as well. Yeah. And yeah, those rigs come here, they get fixed up. 
other subsea companies yeah. do the bottom bit. Everyone swarms over the top and they go back to... And sometimes they're just sitting off waiting for a commission, you know? Yeah, so they yeah, just yeah. sit moored up and then suddenly someone will phone up and go, we need one in this place and off, and they, off they go. go. Yeah, yeah it's quite, quite an impressive sight, especially when you, when you see them at night all lit up. They're, yeah. they're really impressive, like giant floating hotels. Uh, speaking of which, um, I suppose you get a lot of cruise ships stopping off here in the port here in Las Palmas as well. I think yesterday I saw an Italian one, a great, huge, mm. huge beast. Yeah, Las Palmas is, we get a lot of cruise ships. We're not quite sort of Barcelona or Venice style swamped yet because we're a turnover port so people fly in to start here or okay. they finish here I see. so we don't quite but you do know you do notice when it's cruise day and one of the big ones is in yeah. the, the Panama hat count along the beachfront <laughs> you know, goes up goes up exponentially that's what you wear on a cruise isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah your white linen and your, and, your, and your Panama hat absolutely a few of your personal recommendations if I said to you a favourite place to go and eat on the island anywhere you like where would you go Ooh. what would you eat tricky one because um, I eat local stuff all the time so I would choose the island's only Thai restaurant which is down in it's in Puerto Rico resort but yeah. at the back okay it's just hidden away in this what used to be a little village called the big motor okay because there was literally a few houses around this huge motor that pumped water yeah. out of the valley into the dams at the back and there's a restaurant there called Thai Thai restaurant called House Fusion which does really good Thai food. So if I'm looking for one place, then I tend to go there, just because it's lovely. Favourite place to go for a, a day walking? Uh, I like the walk around the Bandama Caldera, uh-huh. which is only about 15 minutes inland from here. There's a cinder cone, which looks like a classic volcano. Yeah. On top there's a little hut, which was built during the Second World War as a tourist attraction. Actually, it was a hidden military. So there was a little watchtower. So Franco was a bit worried that the Brits were going to invade, the Americans would invade the Canaries yeah. at one point. So he had all these towers built, and that's a secret watching post. And then there's this, this vast caldera, and you can walk right around the rim and down to the bottom. But that rim walk, saying the word rim far too much, is <laughs> <laughs> a really spectacular walk. It's yeah. just great, and it yeah. takes about an hour. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Really cool. Okay. Uh, favourite place on the island to go swimming? Uh, I love the Puerto Las Nieves, which is the coast of Agaete in the northwest corner. Uh-huh. There's an old tomato jetty with a crane on, and the water there is just crystal clear, and it's lovely snorkeling, and it's always calm, and it's always sunny. And that's where I take our kids to just jump off and swim, and we fish off the end. That's my favourite spot, and there's a little bar on the jetty as well, which always helps. Oh, yeah. yeah, always helps. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Come, enjoy the weather, enjoy the beaches, enjoy the hotel pool, but do just get out and see the rest of it because there's so much to the island and to all the Canary Islands. To be fair, it just seems a shame to come, however many thousand miles across the ocean, to then not go see what you, what is around you. you know? I, I would agree with that. Get out of your hotel compound resort and go and explore and I think the other thing is like you know Gran Canaria and I imagine most of the islands they're, they're pretty compact you know it's not like you're driving hundreds and hundreds of miles to go and see different things you know exactly. you're, everything is very you know close at hand <laughs> I've got one more thing I can say please stop asking us on Facebook whether it's going to be sunny during your holiday next week <laughs> it's always it will sunny. be it will be and if it isn't we'll say in advance we'll be like next week's going to rain but if we haven't said anything, it's going to be sunny. 
we get this like 10 times a day someone goes I'm coming next Tuesday will it be sunny and then all the regulars thousands of people are like yes <laughs> it will it will well we've been here five days it's been wall to wall sunshine and you know we are you know what's the date today 4th or 5th of January we've lost count and you know and it, it, it's like a a good summer's day in in the UK incredible just just remind us of the website again for people who are looking for more information about the island yeah, the website is grandcanariainfo.com with hyphens and we're on Facebook Gran Canaria Info Alex thank you so much for your time much appreciated pues muchas gracias de nada So that was Alex Bramwell. A big thank you to you, Alex, if you're listening, for sharing your insights on the Canary Islands. So I'll wrap up this episode now. Just before I go, just to say, if you're new to the When in Spain podcast, we also have a presence on the usual social media hangouts. We've got a very active and friendly Facebook group. Uh, you just need to search the When in Spain on Facebook. You'll find the When in Spain page. And, and via the When in Spain Facebook page, you'll see a big blue button to join the group. You can join the group for free. It's your place to ask questions of other members. We've got about two and a half thousand members in the group now of like-minded Spain fans, just like you. You can ask questions. You can post content. You can share news articles. You can share your photos. Anything like that, anything related to Spain uh, is a good place to do that. We also have a When in Spain Instagram page where I share photographs that usually relate to the episodes um, or just photographs which I think are nice Um, and indeed you will see some photographs that I've posted on the Instagram account from Gran Canaria. If Twitter is your thing you can follow When in Spain on Twitter and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly to ask any specific questions uh, about Spain or you'd like to offer some specific feedback about the podcast you can do that by emailing me and you can email me at spain one at outlook.com that's spain the number one at outlook.com and if you have enjoyed this episode and indeed you enjoy the podcast in general please consider becoming a when in spain patron by signing up at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com forward slash when in spain it's a very well-known safe secure easy to use crowdfunding page where you can pledge small amounts to support me and the work that i well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you the first episode of this decade first episode of the year Um, i hope 2020 is a really good year for everybody Uh, thank you for listening and stay tuned for a brand new when in spain episode coming right to your ears very very soon indeed until the next time i've been paul burge this is when in spain go and tell some friends about it if you think they're interested in spain Uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to the show and if you like Leave a little review if you enjoy the podcast wherever you listen to the show. It all helps more people discover this podcast all about Spain. Until the next time then, gracias y hasta luego. Hold up. 